The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ever thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, this is Jonathan Brower. My show is Human Behavior. What a trip. Welcome, everybody, to a nice uh, show today. My guest is Kimberly Pryor. She's the author of The Indestructible Relationship, and she's also uh, an expert on uh, weddings and the trials and tribulations of weddings. So, uh, Kimberly, where would you like to start, with the weddings or the... Yeah, I think that's an excellent idea. Um, okay. You know, as far as um, the things that you should, the things that you, the most important things that you need to do before you say, I do. Yes. You know, and, and one of the things that's interesting about that is, you know, brides are spending so much time having to deal with things in normal life, such as working and family stress, and yet they still have to plan weddings, especially if you are a little bit older, it's your second marriage maybe, um, and you have so much stress going on, and your fiancé, too, has a lot of stress going on. And so often we think it's the relationship that's the problem, when it's really the stress itself that's causing us to question the relationship. And one of the things I discovered when I interviewed um, a couple for the Indestructible Relationship, their name was Gloria and Peter. Uh-huh. Um, one day they were in the car with Gloria's brother, John, yeah. and um, Gloria's soon-to-be sister-in-law, Paula. And Paula kept pressuring John about the relationship at a time when John was facing really heavy pressure at work, and his father had cancer. And he was already so stressed out from those things that he screamed, the wedding's off. And yeah. so Peter, you know, and Gloria had been through a lot of stress, and Peter was able to make Paula understand that when the man is going through stress, that's not really a good time to bring up relationship issues. And he was able to make John realize that it really wasn't the relationship that was the problem, but rather the stress he was going through. And then the wedding was back on. So, so basically they took time out for the yeah, yeah, exactly. other than the wedding to take place. And yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, and they, you know, one of the things that, that is important to realize when you're planning a wedding and one of the things that, that is really important to do is to realize that any stress you're feeling from planning the wedding or if you have a lot of pressure at work going on at the same time, your, your family may be pressuring you to do things the way you want, the way they want you to. Yeah. Um, 
it's important to think of a stress as an outside entity that's not part of your own relationship. Uh-huh. Even if you personify it, you know, give it a funny name in your mind after you personify the stress. Dress it in a funny outfit, and, and this will kind of help you have a sense of humor about it. So what, would be, and the, what, would, what would be some examples of a, the way they could, uh, the name they could make for it? For oh, you know, I think a lot of times it depends on, um, you know, your own, your own situation in life, but give it a funny name like, you know, Wilbur or something like that. And, I see. And just in your mind, think of it as something Think of it as a as another person or something something that's an entity in and of itself to so uh-huh. help you separate the stress from your own relationship, and then you can kind of imagine it just walking out the door and leaving your life. Anything that you can do to really just make yourself realize it's not the relationship that's a problem. I'm stressed out from planning the wedding. I'm stressed out from my work. What's going on in my family? It's definitely not the wedding. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not your relationship that's doing it. Yeah. So um, from my perspective, I'm a psychotherapist in private practice. And my specialty is helping people with anxiety and depression. So um, it occurs to me that a lot of people, in various degrees, have anxiety issues. It's just all the time. It can be low, it can be moderate, it can be high. So I'm wondering what percentage of these people, uh, if they didn't have their anxiety problems, would have an easier way to have a less stressful marriage ceremony while other things are impending that are stressors also. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because I actually, I write health-related articles too uh-huh. and um, edit health-related articles. And one of the things, the articles that we just did was on the difference between anxiety and stress. Uh-huh. As you know, anxiety and stress are two different things, really. Oh, they overlap somewhat. Yeah, they can, but anxiety is more of a, a clinical thing. It's something that is can actually be fall more in the realm of, of um, I don't know if, if they would consider it a disease necessarily, but it does fall more in that category where stress, uh-huh. you know, I, I could be stressed out today because I have too much to do, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean I have anxiety, as you know. So, right. um, so there's, there's, you know, the people who have clinical anxiety, um, you know, I, I mean, I've always been a big believer in something called emotional freedom technique. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've you've heard of that. It's something that a Stanford University professor invented where you tap on your acupressure points. Uh-huh. Um, so I've always been a big believer in that because it's helped me. Um, anytime I'm stressed, it's really helped me relax more. Uh-huh. That's a, yeah, and that's something that I think can really help, too, when you're stressed for weddings, um, if you have anxiety issues, for sure. Yes. So um, some weddings are thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And some weddings are a few hundred dollars. And uh, is one more likely to be a problem than the other, or is it just a, depends on the situation in each case? I think it depends on, on how much money that you have. Um, I mean, if you, ha- if you can afford a big wedding, and it's not going to put a lot of stress on your budget. Yes. You know, if your parents can afford it, then, you know, for sure that won't cause a lot of stress. But if it's something that, you know, you've always wanted a big wedding and it's, it's, it's stressing your budget a bit, then, yeah, it can definitely put a lot of stress on you because of that. But, you know, one of the important things there in dealing with that afterwards, when you're getting all the bills in from, from your wedding afterwards, uh-huh. one of the important things which falls under the, you know, the five things to do before 
before you get married, um, is to really realize the importance of not blaming. Because, I mean, um, you can blame people for things. You can, you know, you can, like, let's say the, let's say it's the wife who really wanted to have the big wedding, uh-huh. and the husband, um, once the bills start coming in, and your parents can't pay for it for whatever reason, and the bills start coming in, and, and the husband blames the wife because, you know, she's the one who wanted the big wedding. Yeah. That's going to cause a lot of problems. And one of the couples that I interviewed for the initial relationship, they were going through bankruptcy. Uh The wife had been doing most of the finances. She was balancing the checkbooks. She was monitoring their expenditures. But yet, the husband never once blamed her for their financial problems. The key, they realized, was to sit down together and ask themselves, how can we fix these problems? So if it's gotten to the point now where you have spent a lot of money on a big wedding, yeah. and, you know, it's too late to go back at that point. The key when you start getting the bills in afterwards is to get together, to get sit down together and just say, you know, how can we fix these problems? I mean, is there something we'd like to do together, a hobby, that we can turn into a money-making business to uh-huh. pay off all these bills after the wedding? Or can one of us, you know, work a few hours extra and the other one be supportive of that? You know, anything that you can do to fix the problem afterwards yeah. without blaming the other person. Yeah. So, so can you... Um... List the five things to do before you get married? Yeah, and I've, I've kind of touched on a couple of them. The first one is just when you, are, when you are stressed out over planning the wedding, over everything that's going on in your life, the first one is just to make sure that you are realizing that the stress is not, is not part of your relationship. It's not your relationship that's the problem. It's the stress. Okay. So that's the first one. And then the second one is, you know, realize that, realize that, Blame will destroy relationships. And the most important thing to do as you go forward in your life together mm-hmm. is to always realize that you, um, that, that it's, we can take responsibility for our own feelings. People can push us in a certain direction, but if we realize that we have control over our own emotions, then the key is to really fix, fix problems rather than blame someone else for it. So that's a realization that, you know, when you're, when, you, when you're in love with someone initially, when you're, if you're engaged for only, let's say, you've only known the person for a year and you get engaged after a year, yeah. you're still in that stage where you are very, you know, the, it's the infatuation stage almost. Yeah. And you don't see some of these things, you know, you don't think about them, but as time goes on, um, you know, things will come to light such as, such as during the daytime. Um, let's say, let's say one week, it's one week before the wedding and you realize that your fiance didn't order the groom's cake like he was supposed to do. But let's yeah. say you knew that he was working on a big project at work. So rather than blame him for forgetting, you know, that, that he didn't do the groom's cake and blame him for that, you could have reminded him to do it. So the more you can take responsibility for your own feelings, yeah. the less stressed and angry you'll be. And that's yeah. not only right now, but throughout the relationship. Uh-huh. So that is, that is two of the ways. And then another very important thing is to always realize the importance of um, appreciation. Yes. Appreciation is so important in a relationship. And the problem is, you know, we, we tend to think that we can use our significant others as a punching bag. Mm-hmm. Um, after Hurricane Andrew, people, were, people actually felt closer to their neighbors yes. than they felt to their spouse. Oh, really? So this is why I recommend treating your, significant, treating your significant other as a stranger. You know, give the same respect to your fiancé as you would to somebody you don't know. I mean, you wouldn't get mad at someone in line at the grocery store you were talking to or, or you know, usually wouldn't get mad at someone that you just met off on the street. 
Uh-huh. So you know, give your fiancé that same respect and talk to them in a way that solves problems rather than causes arguments. Yes, okay. And what's another one? Okay, the other thing is this. Um, one of the keys to making sure your relationship moves forward as you get past the honeymoon stage yeah. is to do this. Always turn complaints into requests. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you feel as if your fiancé isn't doing enough to help with the wedding, you know, instead of saying, you go off and, play, or, you know, instead of saying you always go off and play with your guy friends, or I spend all day mailing out the wedding invitations, you could turn that into a request and say, honey, I could really use some help addressing these wedding invitations. You know, I know golfing with the guys is really important to you, but I'm afraid I'm not going to get these out in time. Could you give me a hand today and go play golf with the guys tomorrow? Yes. And you can do that, you know, throughout your marriage with things like if he doesn't take the trash out, if, um, you know, and, and guys can do it, too, with, with women, just basically expressing what you need. Yes, that sounds good. Uh, we're up for our first break, so we're going to have a, about a minute to um, let them talk about other things, commercials, okay? We'll be back in a minute. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Legal Shield. Total Access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to human behavior. What a trip. Here we are back with Jonathan Brower and Kimberly Pryor, and we're talking about uh, the uh, ins and outs of weddings and relationships. And Kim, you were speaking about uh, training, changing complaints to requests. Yes. And yes. Did you have more to say about that, or do you want to go on to the next thing? You know, um, I think just as a just as a um, another example, perhaps of 
as you as you move forward um, in your relationship after your wedding, because you know right now you are so concerned about planning everything for the wedding that, and you're so infatuated perhaps with the person that you're you're with, you're not thinking about certain things. But as we, as some of that wears off in time, you know, little things that the person can do can be um, can start to perhaps grate on your nerves. So just as a reminder, if someone is doing something, if you're if you're with somebody who's doing something to bother you, or they're not. They're not fulfilling your expectations. Uh-huh. So just always express those expectations by turning your complaints into requests. You know, just just tell the person, tell your significant other, tell your spouse that um, what they're doing. Um, you know, it, tell them what your expectations are. Tell them what you what you need or want. Uh-huh. And if you do it in a nice way, as opposed to a blaming way, yes. then they'll be very receptive to to helping you out. Yes, that sounds very reasonable. Um, so for a minute, if we go back to the to the um, people who have these expensive weddings but can't afford them, what's your take on what drives them to spend the excessive money they don't have? Well, you know, I I think it is that it goes back to our childhoods. Yeah. You know, especially women, not really men, but women have always had a dream of how they wanted to get married, yeah. where they wanted to get married. You know, we we have seen beautiful wedding ceremonies on TV. We're either envious of it or we've always just wanted a very romantic, beautiful wedding ceremony. And I think some people just get so fixated on that 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 perhaps might might drive that need to have an expensive wedding if you that, that you don't have the money for. Yeah. You know, I, I think there are no people who have expensive weddings, and their parents pay for it, and their parents have plenty of money, you know, and, and that's that's great. But I do think that most of it dates back to our childhood, from a dream that we've had from uh-huh. the time that we started dating or from the time that we, that we you know, started reading romance novels or just saw romantic yeah. weddings on TV. So, I think those play into it. Yeah. So for the women who are getting married... And they're wearing, to some degree or other, of a traditional wedding gown. What percentage of these people um, regret how much money they have to pay back after the fact? You know that that question right there is outside my area of expertise because I have not done any studies on what oh. percentage of people. Yeah. Um, you know, my area of expertise is really more about the relationship itself. Yeah. And how to make a relationship stronger. Yeah. And how to make your relationship last after, you know, during during the initial stages as well as as the relationship progresses throughout yeah. the years. Okay. So would you uh maybe you don't want to, but is there any guesstimates you have about people who regret having to pay back all this money? You know, I can honestly say that I I just don't have the expertise to answer that question. I can't even guess. I mean, um, you know, I have not met anyone personally, and I have not dealt with anyone personally who has had that regret. Um, You know, I I think that what you said about um, what causes it is... People, women, just, they have a dream. And, you know, sometimes they just realize that, you know, they they do anything to really fulfill that dream. Yeah. So if that is happening, if people are out there spending too much money on a wedding, yeah. I think with the economy the way it is now, I don't think you're going to see that as much. I mean, I live near Lake Tahoe where there's a ton of people that come up to Lake Tahoe to do the quickie weddings. Yeah. 
you're just with a small number of people, and they're still very beautiful and very romantic, because, like, Tahoe is one of the most romantic places in the entire world. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just, it's gorgeous. And so people come up there and to do a getaway wedding, you know, uh-huh. and they, they have their family and friends there, but it's a smaller wedding, and they yeah. spend less money than if they were at home. Yeah. So I think with the economy being the way it is, I think... It'd be interesting to find a statistic like that because it'd be interesting to see whether with the economy being the way it is, if people have put off their weddings, yeah. if they are spending less money on weddings and the big weddings that you see out there mm-hmm. maybe are the people who have the money to do it. And the yeah. average normal person who's been hurt by the economy, yeah. it's entirely possible that they don't have money to put on that type of big wedding anymore. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see that statistic. Yeah. So when um, when a couple is getting married... And they each have a different religion. Uh, is it common for them to have both the um, the priest and the rabbi there to each do their part, or do they usually just take one over the other? How does that work? You know, I can't speak to that. However, in my instructor relationship book, one of the couples in there—actually, um, the couple who had lost their child—they uh-huh. had they were um, one of they were both different religions. And, you know, when they got married, they, um, they, didn't, they did not have any sort of um, opposition from their families at all. Uh-huh, they knew good. that when they had a child, they had to find a way to ra- They had to make a compromise to raise uh-huh. the child. Yeah. Because the child, um, you know, it, I mean, one of them had to say, okay, you are going to be the one, your religion is going to be one that our child follows. And so they did that, and that was the struggle they went through after the child died because, you know, the, the um, I believe it was the, the husband, um, no, it was Meryl, it was, it was the wife, Meryl. She had said to her husband, okay, you can raise Danny in your religion. And I think it might have been, I want to say maybe Lutheran, um, but she said, okay, you can, you can and Meryl is, Meryl is Jewish, uh-huh. And George, I think, was Lutheran. And she said, okay, you can raise the child in your religion. And um, when Danny died, when the child died, Meryl felt a little bit of resentment towards God because she said, you know, um, you know, God, I let, I let George um, raise Danny in a Lutheran religion, and, you know, I, I compromised that way. I did that, and now you've taken him away. And so she had went through that anger for a while uh-huh. because of that. How old so, was the boy when he died? He was only 11. Oh, wow. Very sad. Yeah, very, very sad. Um, you know, but that, and, and their story actually brings up something that's very important for, for couples. Um, one of the things that will help you get through anything is this. Um, it's, it's realizing that other people had it, have it worse. Uh-huh. And Marilyn George were like that. I mean, here is a couple who lost their son Danny when he was 11 years old. Yeah. Really heartbreaking story. But yet, they were able to believe that other parents had it worse because some people lost their child to um, violent death. Yeah. And they knew a couple who had lost all three of their children. And so that was a commonality between all the couples who survived the traumatic events yeah. was they always believed that somebody else had it worse no matter how bad they had it. And that stops you from playing the victim. Uh-huh. Okay. There's something else I want to bring up. I've always been fascinated by this, and, I, and also I find it, uh, I don't like it. Uh, when men have these bachelor parties right before they get married, uh-huh. and then they to various degrees, have strippers or lap dances, lap dances or whatever it's going to be. Um, uh, I would imagine 
that their brides are uncomfortable with that. But maybe yeah. I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, that that is very true. I think a lot of times the brides don't really know what's going on, though. I don't think that anybody really tells the bride what went on during a bachelor party. Um, of course, <laughs> unless, unless you end up like... Um, um, what's his name, Prince Andrew in Vegas, oh, where you yeah. get your picture taken. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think that I think that a lot of brides don't really know whether it happens or not. But wouldn't you think a lot of other brides are in denial? You know, they might be. I mean, I think, quite honestly, I think there's a lot of guys out there who um, don't necessarily want that for their bachelor party. Some do. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I have gone to female bachelorette parties. Yeah. where there's been a stripper, and it was all very innocent. I mean, the stripper just, you know, he danced around the, the bride-to-be and, and everything, but he didn't do anything. Yeah, somewhat different. With, inappropriate. With, when women are doing that kind of thing, it's, it's more, um, it's not as sexual as when men are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think I think that, I think that a lot of times brides simply don't know, and they and they probably don't want to know. I think what you said about denial is very, yeah. very true. I think yeah. that they don't want to know what went on. Yeah. So I've been I've been to very few bachelor parties with men, but the few I've been to, they were really nice. I mean, they weren't doing sexual stuff. They're just talking about their feelings regarding the marriage, their own marriages, and the marriage of the you know, couple to be married. And it was a lovely experience, actually. Yeah, and I think that's true for, especially for older men. Yeah. You know, I think the guys in their 20s are more likely to have those type of bachelor parties. Yeah. And people getting in their second marriage or people a little bit older when they get married might not be so wild with the bachelor parties. Yeah, I imagine that's the case. Um, what, what's your take on the uh, couple getting married? And they each have kids from the previous marriage, and the kids aren't particularly pleased with the other set of kids. How does that impact the wedding, if at all? What would you say about that? Yeah, and that's that's a big challenge. I actually know somebody where the where the problem wasn't even the kids; it was you know the the um, bride to be was having a hard time with the kids from his previous marriage because she felt a little bit insecure and jealous of them. Uh-huh. So sometimes the problem isn't even, it's not even the kids themselves. It's the, it's the, the, the groom or the bride having some insecurity issues with that. So, you know, I think that if your kids are um, having a hard time accepting it, I mean, you know, I, I think going to a therapist in that case. Yes. Is an excellent idea. Prior to the wedding. Yeah, prior to the wedding, for sure. Yeah. You know, that because that should be obvious way before the wedding, you know, that that's happening. Yeah. And I think doing it as a as going to therapy in that case with the kids yeah. would be an excellent idea. Yeah. Well, we've come up for our second uh, break for about a minute. So we'll resume in about a minute. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Legal Shield. Total Access. 
Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. Your life, your health. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll free 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to human behavior. What a trip. Hi, everybody. Back to Jonathan Brower and Kimberly Pryor. And we're talking about relationships and marriages, marriage ceremonies, I should say. And Kimberly has a wonderful book out called The Indestructible Relationship. Um, Is there more you want to say about that book? This time, Kimberly? Yeah, the book is, I, what I did was I went out and I interviewed couples who have gone through major traumas, whether it's death of a child or having your home damaged in a natural disaster or bankruptcy or going through a major illness. And yes. I wanted to know what characteristics do these couples have? How do they keep the relationship strong during these traumatic experiences? Yeah. And how we can all learn from the same experiences in our own relationships? Yes. Yeah. So talk, can you talk about that in a little more detail? Yeah. Um, you For know, example, I, the, um, the, I happen to know this woman who uh, her, one of her sons was surfing and the surfboard ended up hitting him on the head and he drowned. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's just one of, you know, there's many ways it can happen. But Yeah. And then it's hard for the couple, the, the parents to, you know, get through that. Yeah. And, you know, like I said before, in regards to blame, Blame is a big, blame is a big um, thing with that. It could either be blaming yourself, blaming your partner, or blaming some sort of an outside um, entity. Because what I did in the book is I, I compared a couple who had lost their child and stayed together, uh-huh. and then I compared them to a couple who'd lost their child and got divorced. Yeah. And one of the characteristics of the, the couple who had gotten divorced was that the husband was so angry over, over the child's death, but he wasn't angry at his wife, really. He was angry at God. He was angry at the road, cr- road crews for not sounding the road because the, the, their teenage son had died in a car accident after hitting black ice. Um, yeah. And so he was angry at everybody, but he wasn't really angry at his wife. He never blamed her for allowing their teenage son to stay out late with his friends. But he was blaming God, and and the wife turned to God. You know, she went to church and prayed about it and um, believed that their son was in heaven, whereas he just um, was so angry and so bitter that 
you know, she couldn't stay with him anymore. And he didn't go to th- he wouldn't go to therapy. Yeah. No, I take that back. They did go to therapy for a little while, but he was so angry in therapy and he wouldn't listen to anything the therapist said. So she said she couldn't take it anymore. And so who filed for divorce? She walked out. He just couldn't do it anymore. Um, you know, it got to the point where he was so angry that um, their, their, it was her sister was being reunited with um, a son she had given up for adoption. And they all went to the airport to meet the son when he was flying in. And, and this man came out, the, the husband, the, the man who had lost the child, he said to his wife, you know, this doesn't mean anything to me. This is just stupid. It doesn't bring, it doesn't bring Johnny back. Um, we so, what, what doesn't bring Johnny back? The, the whole, the whole fact that there was, um, you know, that they were being reunited with this, that their sister was being reunited with an adopted son. Um, he was angry about his, they had a daughter too, and his daughter had been, um, arrested for shoplifting after this happened. She used to be a very good student, never caused any trouble. And then after her brother died in the car accident, she was very, um, you know, angry and acting out a little bit more, and she just and she went out. She went out and stole something and got arrested. And so, um, you know, the woman said, the the wife, the mother said to to her husband, she said, you know, um, we're both grieving over Johnny's death, but we need to be there for Stephanie, their mm-hmm. daughter. And he basically said, you know, I don't, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn about that about Stephanie. It, you know, Johnny's gone. And that's all I care about. So that's why I got to the point where she walked out. He was not willing to just um, overcome his anger. So my my take on it, not knowing everything about it in this case, that he was avoiding emotional closeness. Yes. Because I know for me, I mean, this hasn't happened, but if it would have happened, if uh, a child of mine died in, in some kind of accident... I would, uh, assuming I love my wife and wanted to be with her, that would be all the more reason to stay with her. And for us, you know, for she and I, uh, for the rest of our lives, to be able to talk about our feelings when they come up regarding the death of our son. That's me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, initially they had become closer for a few months after his death. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it just got to the point where he was so angry that that they were not as close as they were for three months after his death. After that, they started to drift apart. Yeah. My also my, my, my other hunch is that you know he's saying he's angry at God, but uh, he's probably angry at other people too. Yeah, misplaced anger. Exactly. Yeah, transferring his anger. Yeah, and he could very well have been angry at his wife for allowing their, their child to stay out late, and he just never admitted it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so he took his anger and, and threw it at God and threw it at the road crews who didn't stay on the road and threw it at just about everybody else he could. Yeah. And the real subject of his anger may have been his wife, but he just never admitted that. Yeah. And if he had, the, if he had good enough therapy, he would have perhaps had better use of the therapist than the one he had. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I I came up with a number of different characteristics of couples who could survive these these major catastrophes in life. Yeah. Um, we'll, was, we'll mention a few of them. Let's hear a few. Yeah, another one was um, a sense of humor. Yeah. And it didn't matter what they had gone through or how horrible and something they had gone through. They always had a sense of humor. I mean, one of the couples in the book was Wayne or Barb and Wayne, and Wayne was paralyzed in a freak football accident. A football accident, you say? What? He was playing football? Yeah, he was playing football with his family, and he oh, was paralyzed. It wasn't even a regular tackle game, just... 
You know, I'm I'm not sure it was just because I don't know much about football. Oh, okay. um, but he was just playing. He was playing football with his family, and he and well, it was tackle. I mean, he was he was tackled. Or, no, wait, no, excuse me. He ran in. He ran into his. I think he ran into his um, one pe- one person in his family or a friend. Yeah. And that's what caused him to go down to the ground. And whatever happened, it was kind of a freak accident. And, I see. Yeah, and he um, became paralyzed. Oh, my. A quadriplegic. Um, and that was only a month after him and Barb yeah. got married. Wow. And so he could really, he could die. I mean, they've been married 40 years now. How many? 40 years. 40? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they went through a lot. They, you know, she left him for a while, for like just, just a little while. And her dad said, you know, you've, you loved him, and I know you still love him, and you're not a quitter. Go back and try it for a little while, and if you can't do it, if you can't take care of him, then come back to me, but otherwise, try it. And she did, uh-huh. and she's very happy. They're more in love than ever before, but one of the characteristics that really came through for them, um, and it was a commonality between all the couples that I interviewed, yeah. was the sense of humor. I mean, even though he could die at any minute because he gets a lot of bladder infections because they have to use a catheter. Yeah. And eventually, they have a hard time finding an antibiotic that will kill the bacteria. Uh-huh. And one of the things he said to her um, was, you know, if I die, um, if I die, I, want you, I don't want people crying at the funeral. Um, you know, I want to make sure that, I want to make sure that they have a fun time. And I want to be buried in a t-shirt that says, you know, um, damn, I just renewed Motor Trend for two years. Or, yeah. or um, you know, God, can't we discuss this? So any sort of funny T-shirt that he could be buried in, he wanted to be buried in. And he's always joking about, he, when he, he doesn't have any feelings, so when they operate on him, they don't use um, anesthetic. They don't, they don't make him numb or anything because he can't feel. Uh-huh. And so he's joking around with the people doing the surgery, the doctors, the nurses, you know, he's joking around with them. So sense of humor is something that was one of the characteristics that was very, very important. Um, that was, that along with don't blame your partner for things uh-huh. was up there in the, um, the top, the top commonalities yeah. between couples who could survive anything. And he was paralyzed from what part of his body down? He's a quadriplegic. So um, I believe that's neck down. Uh-huh. I'm pretty certain. So were were they, were Barb and Wayne able to be sexual in some ways? Yeah, you know, she she actually was telling me about that. They both were. Um, initially, they something they had to get used to was to take advantage of his spontaneous erections. Uh-huh. Yeah, they had to do that. They just, it, they had, they never knew when it was going to happen. They just had to take advantage of it. But then when he had a spontaneous erection, he couldn't feel anything? Probably not. I, I I never asked him that, but probably yeah. not. I wouldn't uh-huh. think that he could. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is sad, really. Yeah. You know, um, very sad. But he's a very upbeat person. He wasn't that way initially. He initially there was a lot of a lot of strain that went on. He yeah. he contemplated suicide. Understandably so. Yeah, and you know he he what really helped him too was getting um, an electric wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Because that allowed him to really be able to move out, and, and you know, Barb could take him out in public, and he could move around in that, and that really helped him a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he was in his twenties when he got married. They were actually, I think it's like nineteen. I think he was nineteen, she was eighteen. Okay, very so the reason I'm asking because um, for most 
um, for most people who have these kinds of injuries, they don't live really long. No, he is he has beaten all odds. Yeah. He really has beaten all the odds. You know, she she talks about how, you know, he could die any moment, but, um, you know, she's glad she's had him this long. Uh-huh. But, but, you know, Barb wants to have him longer because she's still so in love with him. And, of course. Yeah, and so they, they really have defied all odds. He has defied all odds in that sense. Yeah. So uh, one thing that he mentioned, what you mentioned that he mentioned, was uh, at his death he didn't want anyone to be sad. Yeah. And that's for me that's a big red flag that um, there's something unsafe or uncomfortable about sadness. Yeah. You I know, think, yeah, that could very well be true. Yeah, because, I mean, for people who cared about him, when he died and they have the party afterwards... They can be happy about parts of the their memories, and they can be sad, too. Yeah. But for some reason, he didn't want... My guess is he wanted to avoid sadness, period. Yeah. That's and maybe, my guess. Yeah, and maybe he just felt bad that his yeah. friends and family would, would feel bad. I mean, he probably... You know, we want the best for our friends and family. Yeah. Um, we don't necessarily want them all to be sad. And you know, he was talking about the fact that when he dies, he would... You know, he wouldn't need a wheelchair anymore. Yeah. And he would be, you know, up in heaven and, yeah. and um, you know, hopefully, you know, being able, he would just wouldn't need the wheelchair. He wouldn't be burdened by some of the things he's burdened in life. So yeah. it's probably, you know, maybe he just felt bad that there was a, um, that his family would feel bad. Maybe. He, but because, a lot of people are phobic about sadness. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're going to take our last commercial break. And then we'll come back and we can have some more vignettes. I find this really interesting. Great. Okay. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. 
Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. Back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. I'm Jonathan Brower, and my guest today is Kimberly Pryor. And uh, we've been talking about weddings and about indestructible relationships. And uh, Kimberly, why don't you go back and continue with a few more vignettes about how people um, stay together under tremendous stressors. Yeah, um, one of the one of the other couples that I interviewed was Gail and Curtis Lowry. Um, they went through bankruptcy uh-huh. and foreclosure on their home and. One of the interesting things about them that um, kind of illustrated what, what the commonality between a lot of the couples is really putting yourself what the other person is going through, putting yourself in their shoes. Yeah, and, that's always a good exercise. Yeah, and what they did, what they did was when um, when Curtis lost his job, Dale was still going to work. Uh huh. Well, you know, um, Curtis really wanted a job. I mean, he wasn't lazy. He really wanted to go out and work. And so he felt bad when Gail would get up in the morning to go to work. Uh And he, you know, spent a lot of the day searching for jobs, but he felt bad. Um, You know, Gail felt bad because she was tired. She wanted to sleep some more. And and here, you know, she's getting ready for work and Curtis is just kind of taking his time getting ready. And, um, you know, she was upset because she, she didn't want go to work, and here her husband isn't going to work, so she felt a little bit, you know, as much as this doesn't necessarily make sense, in a way it does, she felt she felt a little bit resentful of him. Yeah. So, you know, they came home one day, and she sat down with him, and she said, you know, I have to remind myself that this is very difficult for you, and, and I realize how difficult it is for you, that you want a job more than anything else, and you've been looking, and you haven't found anything, and for you not to, for you to see me go to work... I realized how difficult that is for you. And, and Curtis said, yeah. And he goes, you know, I know that it must be difficult for you to see me stay home like this when you're tired, you don't want to go to work, and you have to get up and go anyway. And so they both put themselves in each other's shoes, yeah. and they really empathized with each other. And that was one of the characteristics of a lot of the couples that uh-huh. I interviewed. So with Curtis, did he find, finally get a job, or don't you know? I don't know because after I wrote their story, I have not talked to them in probably six months or so. I see. So I'm not sure if he has found a job. He was going back to school, though. Uh-huh. He was going back to school, and um, that he still had a number of months left on that, and he was hoping that once that happened, he would have a degree that he could use. Uh-huh. And, and did they have kids? They do not have kids, no. They are... They are child. They don't have children, but you know, um, one of the things that that came out was um, the reason why they had financial problems were twofold. One is they traveled too much. They loved to travel, and so they spent too much money on traveling. Yeah. So when they lost the job, when he lost when he lost his job, he, they didn't have any savings. And she also the the, the wife Gail, she loved giving gifts to people. Uh-huh. You know, at Christmas, Curtis would just shake his head, oh my God, why is she giving people so many gifts? And, you know, friends, kids, friends, kids, and and she would just love to give people gifts. And so those two things were really what, what prevented them from having a savings, and they realize that now. Uh-huh. And so what they're doing is, they're, so because Gail still, you know, she likes giving things to people, she's offering to, like, babysit or do something for someone rather than spend any money. 
you know, do something nice for them instead of actually yeah, spending money. Yeah, something expensive. Yeah. I know yeah. a woman who makes soap for people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So uh, do you have another vignette or so or two? Yeah. Um, another one is there's, there's um, a couple that had gone through um, flooding. Gone through in, what? Flooding in North Dakota. Flooding, yeah. Yeah. They, the water kept rising and rising and rising. It got to the point where the, the city council asked them to chop off their deck, cut off their deck, so they could put, they could put sandbags there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just spent so many sleepless nights not, so many sleepless nights just sandbagging, um, putting pumps in the water, helping the rest of the community, helping the rest of the community get the, get the river blocked up so that it wouldn't flood the town. Yeah. And um, the, the thing is that this caused so much stress because they literally, her husband went without sleep for an entire two days. I mean, the second day he just collapsed, basically. Yeah, wow. I can't take this anymore. And, um, you know, their names are Melissa and Andrew. And, and what the couple had, what they realized at the end of this whole situation, um, their, their house was okay. The, the basement got flooded. They ended up getting evacuated. But, but the, the, the most stressful thing at all, out of anything, was Andrew was, was very into his work. His work meant everything to him, you know, after his family. What kind of work did he do? Did he do? What? Excuse me? You know what kind of work he did? Uh, no. Okay. But it was in downtown North Dakota. Okay. Um, when they were evacuated from their home, they were watching TV, and all of a sudden, the TV crew zoomed in on downtown North Dakota, and as odd as it seems, it was flooding, but the buildings were also on fire. And he could see flames shooting out of his office building, wow. actually, out of his, actually out of his office. And he realized that at that moment that, you know, everything in his office was destroyed, and he turned to his wife and said, well, I guess I'm not going to be working those long hours anymore. So, you know, he had a sense of humor about it, too. But she didn't know what he was going to do when she saw when he saw his office burst into flames like that because yeah. work meant so much to him that she was afraid that it would just send him over the edge. But it didn't. You know, he he had a sense of humor about it. Um, after the flooding was over, the the thing that really um, it really made them realize how the important things in life are our family, our friends, you know, the kids, um, people we're in a relationship with, yeah. more so than material things. Yeah. In your own personal life, you're interested in relationships of people, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah for so sure. Tell, tell me how that happened. What, how did you, as a kid or whenever it started, how were you? Well, I think the reason why I've always been so interested in relationships is simply because I've um, always been fascinated by what works and what doesn't. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, throughout the years, I, I was involved in a search and trying to find, you know, the the man for me as well. And, you know, I, I found him now. He's, he's a wonderful man good, and good. Um, great sense of humor, very creative and exactly what I've been looking for. He's my honey. Um, I found him. But over the years, you know, I think part of it was my own search and just trying to find out, you know, what, what makes a good relationship, what doesn't, uh-huh. which is another reason really why I'm hosting an event in a few days this weekend, actually. Yeah, tell, tell the audience about the event. Yeah, it's called the Rebuilding Your Life After Divorce Mountain Retreat. It's over at Lake Tahoe, 
And one of the reasons I decided to host it was, again, because of my fascination with relationship and relationships and what works and what doesn't. Um, I began to realize, like a lot of my friends were going through divorce, and I realized that um, people getting divorced are the ones that are truly heartbroken. You know, it's such a stressful, heartbreaking experience. I wanted to do something to help. Yeah. And so I'm bringing in 15 different speakers. They're going to be talking about everything from four magic questions to get your child to behave better and cooperate with your every request, which uh-huh. is something that single parents are interested in, yeah. to how to feel whole again now that you're no longer part of a couple. Uh-huh. And there's going to be someone there talking about finances after divorce, um, one post-divorce action you can take in order to protect your financial future. There's going to be people talking about dating, how to avoid the losers and when you're dating again, how uh-huh. you can spot them right away and save time and by not paying, by not um, yeah. giving them any more time a day and finding finding the good guys or the good women. Is there a phone number or address you want to give out? Yeah, yeah. They can. Um, anyone, if you want to go to the event, you can you can go to www. Say it slowly. Okay. Yeah, it's www.afterdivorceadvice.com. And if you use the discount code LOVE, L-O-V-E, you will get $60 off the event. If you live anywhere within driving distance, anywhere in the West, um, California, Nevada, Arizona, Oregon, um, it's an awesome opportunity. There's even going to be a dress as your favorite divorce celebrity party where you can win $100 in the costume contest. And is there a phone number they can call you at? Yeah, you can reach me at 775-765-265. Two six five five six seven one five six seven one. So it's seven seven five two six five five six seven one. Yep, that's correct. And the website again for the retreat is www.afterdivorceadvice.com. Okay, great. So hopefully you'll get some people from that. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. So I really hope that you can. Join us because there's going to be just a lot of... You'll feel more at peace. Oh, oh, by the way, what's the date of this thing? It's this weekend. It's September 15th to 17th. So there's not a lot of time, but there's there's still limited availability. So if you do live within driving distance, yes. then, then it's definitely worth checking out. Yes. I won't be able to come because I'm going to be in Dallas. Oh, that's for a convention, but... So uh, what would you like to say in the next two minutes? Well, you know, I just want to say, because we've talked a lot about um, weddings and that and people who are getting married, um, you know, and so I'd like to spend just maybe if we could, just like a second talking about, or just for a minute talking about divorce. Please do. Yeah. um, One of the things that I've noticed with my friends who have gone through a divorce is that how difficult it is to date afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's something, too, that I've gone through over the years. One of the things that I've noticed with people who are dating after divorce is on their online profiles, because that's where a lot of people turn to dating these days, yeah. is their ex-husband or their ex-wife kind of shows up on their profile, yeah. where, where, for instance, you might put subtly, like without even mentioning them, things like, um, if you play games, stay away from me, or uh-huh. if you're dishonest, stay away from me. I mean, people who are truly dishonest who play games... If they read that, they probably don't know know what they're doing anyway. And even if they do, they're not going to stay away from you just because you put that on there. Mm-hmm. And the good people will realize that you have some baggage there and that you haven't healed completely. Yes. So I always recommend to people to put in their online profiles when they start dating again after divorce is to put everything in there about what you're good at, what your what your passions are. You know, focus yes. on that rather yes. than what you don't want. Uh-huh. 
that makes sense? Yeah, because because I mean, I before I met the man that I believe is going to be um, with me for the rest of my life. He, yeah. I I was doing a lot of dating, and I would immediately see a man who had something like that on his profile. I mean, even to the point where, I mean, one man said something like, he said something like, I'm looking for, I'll tell you what I'm looking for, he goes, I'm looking for someone who's the exact opposite of my ex-wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, that doesn't really tell me who you are, what you're about, what you're passionate about. Why should I want to date you? Yes, and, and he also wasn't being truthful. Because uh, he, would, he wouldn't necessarily want the exact opposite. Yeah, he might be looking, it sounded like from his profile that he kept, he kept falling in love with the same type of woman all over again. Yeah, it's kind of like it's all or nothing thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is impractical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had some interesting issues going on in his profile. The first paragraph said he was looking for women who are not on psychiatric medication. Uh-huh. And so I think he had some interesting things going on in that profile that yeah. I don't even, I'm almost afraid to even think about. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that kind of thing on the Internet is somewhat crazy. Yeah, and a lot of it is because people don't know how to sell themselves. I mean, to, to show what their good qualities are. Yes. You know, I met a guy who did Civil War reenactments, yes. which is interesting, but he didn't even mention that in his profile. Yeah. And that would be something that, to me, when I saw that, I'd be, oh, cool, he does Civil War reenactments. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I agree. He's, yeah, Scarlett O'Hara, yeah. you know, and yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have half a minute before we say goodbye. Anything else you want to mention? Yeah, I'd just like I'd like to let people know, like to let you know that um, my book is available. Indestructible Relationship is available at Amazon.com. It just came out as a paperback, okay. so you can find it there. It's also available as an ebook. Okay, great. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And me too. I really enjoyed listening to you and learning from you. And uh, I'll stay in touch with you and find out about you more later. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Okay, and thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.